and sinful generation of him will the son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels and he said to them truly I say to you there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power Good tidings. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you. In the 
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross, which we celebrated on September 14th, which fell right in the middle of the week on Wednesday, is such an important feast for the Church that it's preceded by the Sunday before the Cross, and it's followed by the Sunday after the Cross, just so that we have enough time to really take in the meaning of the cross and soak in uh, the importance of this feast day. Whenever we think of the cross, we have to associate it now with the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God for us all. Because no more clearly than Christ crucified... Do we see an expression of love self-sacrificial? Love that is self-emptying. Love that expresses such humility and care for us. It really reveals to us the very purpose for God creating us in the first place. And it also reveals the purpose of His coming. That He would willingly ascend the cross and endure such suffering, such rejection, such humiliation and condescension in order to destroy death, destroy sin, and to free mankind and reconcile us to Himself. This is also why we say that Christianity is the way of the cross. Because for us as well, it is the only way to destroy the devil and sin and pride and all distortion and really to unite ourselves to Christ. But I want you to think about since the fall and the darkening of all the noetic and spiritual faculties of the human being, how we forget that we even have a soul, and we focus so much on the material world. We we focus so much on the body. It's why billions, if not trillions of dollars, every single year are spent in all of the marketing and advertising to help reinforce this focus on the body rather than the soul. And so it's no wonder that when a person gets sick physically and they go to the doctor, that the medicine and the process of treatment are oftentimes extremely bitter. They're not sweet. They're not fun. And yet think about the amount of time and the amount of money and the amount of trust that we human beings place in that bitter treatment or that bitter medicine. Sometimes even putting more trust in the doctor, the more complicated and bitter the process is for our healing. We so much want to be made well, to feel better, to live longer and more fruitful. But the same is not true necessarily in the spiritual life. 
I actually believe that the Lord allows for physical medicine and physical treatment to be bitter in order for us to understand that oftentimes what is going to make us spiritually whole and spiritually well oftentimes is bitter as well. There's a parallel. One is a type and the other is more of a fulfillment. There's a saying, and I'm not sure exactly where it comes from, but it helps illustrate this point of the cross. The saying is that if a human being was dying of thirst, and he was laying on nice grass barefoot, and there was a fresh water spring just across the way, but what lay between him and the freshwater spring was an entire bed of sharp thorns. Eventually, that man would be driven to get up and walk across that bed of thorns barefoot, no matter what it did to his feet, in order to not lie there on the grass and die of thirst, to get to that water that would give him life. The saying continues that... Christ first coming and going to the cross himself and then inviting us to come after is very much like Christ leading the way across that bed of thorns, trampling and blunting them down with his own feet, leading us to the living water and then from that side inviting us to follow his footsteps, to follow his path across those blunted thorns Yes, they would still hurt, but not nearly as much as they hurt Christ Himself. For His cross is the hardest cross. The cross that He invites us to take up is nowhere near as difficult as the cross that He first took up. Because He didn't die for His own sins. He had none. But He died for the sins of us and of the whole world. The cross that He invites us to pick up is a cross that we are crucified for our own sins. Only the ones that we're responsible for. We don't have to take up anyone else's cross. And our cross doesn't include the sins, per se, of others. The cross of Christ is medicine. It may be bitter, But just think of the analogy between the body and what we're willing to go through and the soul and how more important it is that leads to true humanity and eternal life. So when we look at this passage in the Gospel of Mark, it begins with saying, If any man would, if any man would, notice that there is no forcing No coercion. God invites. You don't have to take up your cross. You don't have to deny yourself. You do not have to follow Jesus Christ. But He invites you. And He shows you the way. We know that it has to be of our own choice. The Lord continues by saying, Let him deny himself. Why 
Do we need self-denial? And what are we denying? The first Adam, the first man Adam, denied the truth. And he chose a lie. And in denying the truth and choosing a lie, he lost something extremely precious and central to himself as a human person. He became less than he was before. This fall from grace is a denial of his true self and rather choosing a lie. God asks us, when he says, deny yourself, he's not asking you to deny the truth or your true self. He is asking you to deny the lie and the falsehood and to accept and cling to the truth. I want to quote St. Nikolai Velomirovich when he says, quote, We must deny the earthboundness that has for us replaced spirituality. We must deny the passions that have replaced good works. We must deny the servile fear that has darkened in us our sonship of God and the grumbling against God that has killed within us the spirit of obedience to Him. We must deny evil thoughts, evil desires, and evil deeds. We must deny the idolatrous worship of nature and our body. In brief, we must deny all that we think is me, but is in reality not us, but the devil and sin, corruption, illusion, distortion, and death. This is what the Lord means when He says, Deny yourself. What does it mean when he says, take up your cross? This means the willing acceptance at the hand of providence. Every means of healing, bitter though it may be, that is offered to us. Again, I want to quote from St. Nikolai. He has this great list. Do great catastrophes, catastrophes fall on you? Be obedient to God's will as Noah was. Is sacrifice demanded of you? Give yourself into God's hands with the same faith as Abraham had when he went to sacrifice his son. Is your property ruined? Do your children die suddenly? Suffer it all with patience, cleaving to God in your heart just as Job did. Do your friends forsake you? Do you find yourself surrounded by enemies because of your faith? Bear it all without grumbling and with faith that God's help is at hand as the apostles did. Are you condemned to death for Christ? Be thankful to God for such an honor like thousands of martyrs. Nothing will be sought of you or asked of you that is not been done or asked of those who came before you. But you will rather follow the example of many apostles, saints, confessors, and martyrs who have done Christ's will. The Lord indeed asks us that we take up our, up our, our own cross. Again, we don't take up His cross. 
When we feel that the cross is bringing great suffering, when it is difficult, we need to remember as those who have come before us that the Lord is indeed with us, that He is near us, that He wants to help us. I want you to listen to these words. Quote, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We need to remember that we are not alone when the Lord says, Deny yourself, take up your cross, and come follow me. In the epistle reading to the Galatians, St. Paul says something very important that has to do with taking up our cross. He says... It is no... Actually, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I want you to listen to those words one more time. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. You see, the Apostle Paul is saying that to take up your cross is actually to abide in Christ. To give up self-reliance. To not stop thinking and living your life as if you are carrying the weight of the world on your own shoulders. As if you have to solve every problem by yourself. It is this sort of independent spirit that we are called to give up as well as the false self. He says that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Don't think that Paul isn't exercising his free will every single moment for him to be able to say it is no longer I, my ego, my self-centeredness, my self-reliance, my independence that lives, but it is my true self, my true I in Christ that lives through Christ and because of Christ and by the power of Christ so that in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God so that I can cast my burdens upon Him and take His easy and light yoke upon myself. Part of what it means to take up our cross is to get out of ourselves, out of self-centeredness, out of this cycle of thoughts that are focused on me, and to begin to live by the power of Christ. Remember, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me and I in you, then all things are possible, including whatever bitter spiritual medicine or bitter spiritual process of healing that I allow in your life. 
We have to love and trust Christ to such a degree that we are willing to give up control. That we are willing to say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We need to be understanding that if we walk in the same manner as He walked, if we follow in His footsteps, that He is with us and that He will not let us down. Amen.